Um, This morning we've got a special message. We're going to be in Deuteronomy 8, Mark 8, and Luke 24, uh, looking at the importance of remembering God's faithfulness. And then next week, we will start the book of Ephesians. So if you want to start reading ahead in the book of Ephesians. And so if you would turn with me to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8. As we pray this morning, I'd like to pray for Highlands Ranch. Uh, If you haven't checked the news this morning, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but they uh, had a shooting this morning. Uh, uh, One officer uh, did die uh, in that uh, shooting um, and uh, from what it looks like, uh, the, the shooter has uh, been apprehended. There's not a lot of details. or um, And so it's affected the community uh, up there. There's several others that have been shot uh, as well. And so, you know, we're so thankful for our police officers in our state and here in Colorado Springs. And, you know, as this family uh, grieves the loss of, of their loved one as he's passed away. So uh, let's pray for Highlands Ranch and uh, our police officers let's pray together. Uh, Father, we just look at the the craziness of our times and the things that are uh, taking place uh, in our communities. And Lord, uh, we thank you for our police officers. And we we lift up uh, the the family that's, I'm sure, gotten the news that uh, their loved one has passed away. Would you comfort them and and give them peace? And Lord, we pray for uh, the police department there in in Highlands Ranch, that you would comfort their hearts and encourage them. Uh, And I know that this affects uh, police officers throughout our state. And so, Lord, would you uh, bring them safety? We thank you for them uh, risking their lives for for our security and our safety. And Lord, the others that were were shot in this, we we pray for their healing, Lord, that they they wouldn't lose their lives, that they would be be touched and and healed. And God, would you bring safety and peace to our communities and, and stability, um, Lord, and uh, we just surrender ourselves to you. And as we look at your faithfulness in our lives in 2017, God, we pray that you uh, would really remind us of those specific things that you have shown us throughout this year. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. It's really important to the Lord that we remember. A lot of times, as God's people, though, we forget, and the children of Israel would often forget God's faithfulness in their lives. And God would set up many things for the nation of Israel just for the purpose of them being able to remember. The Feast of Passover, every year they would celebrate the the Feast of Passover. To this day, the nation of Israel celebrates Passover, and it's remembering when God delivered them out of Egypt as as slaves. Also, the Feast of Tabernacles, a, a week where... The nation of Israel is supposed to take that time to basically have a giant camping trip, remembering how God was faithful to them during their time in the wilderness, how the Lord provided uh, for them. We have when the children of Israel come into the promised land and God parts the, the Jordan River, causes the Jordan River to stop and they come across on dry land. God speaks and says, I want there to be one rock for each tribe of Israel. So one man grabbed one rock from each tribe and they piled these rocks together to be a memorial to when future generations, what in the world, what, why are all these rocks piled up? It gave opportunity to talk of, of God's faithfulness. So this morning, I'd like for us to pause and consider God's faithfulness in our lives personally and as a church. If you're like me, it's so busy and it goes so quick. You're like, okay, what happened this year? What happened in 2017? Like what happened last January? What happened last last June? And we're going to consider and remember God's faithfulness in the wilderness, in his, his work, his provision for our lives. 
and then also in his word. So let's start in Deuteronomy chapter 8. This is Moses speaking to the next generation, the generation that's going to go into the promised land and inhabit the, the promised land. It says, Every commandment which I have commanded you today, you must be careful to observe, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you, to know what's in your heart. Remember, remember that the Lord led you in the wilderness. Remember that the Lord was faithful in the wilderness. That God used this wilderness time to humble Israel, to test Israel, so that they would know their own hearts. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that a man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these forty years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. God's very clear, and he says, I led you into the wilderness for the purpose of humbling you, for the purpose of you understanding what was in your own heart. So the first thing to consider this morning is remember the wilderness. And what did the wilderness, the difficulties of 2017, show you about your own heart and God's faithfulness? This is a shock to our system many times that a loving God, a loving Father, will lead us into the wilderness. Because a lot of times we think, if someone loves me, then they're not going to allow suffering in my life. But God's love for us, he sees that it's good for me to go through suffering. It's good for me to go through wilderness experiences because it shows me more about the Lord and it also reveals things about my own heart. Our, Our heart is interesting, isn't it? It's deceitfully wicked above all else. And a lot of times, we have a hard time really understanding the nature of our own heart. What's really going on inside of me? And so God allows a wilderness. He allows a difficulty. So we go, oh man, I didn't realize that pride was in there. I didn't realize that selfishness was in there. That covetousness was in there. And and this trial, this difficulty revealed that and, and that humbled me. And that caused me to see God's grace and faithfulness and need to to grow in my life. And God's very clear here with the children of Israel. I I did this for the purpose to humble you. I did this for the purpose to, to test you so that you would know hunger. And then what does that cause inside of, of your heart and life? So what were the wildernesses for you this year? You know, has it been a really tough year at work? Has it been a tough year relationally? Has it been a tough year physically? What's been the trial or several trials that God's allowed in your life and what has it revealed? And sometimes it's not a pretty picture, isn't it? And to say, okay, Lord, I, I'm, I'm ready to learn. I'm ready for you to teach me and, and thank you for uh, your faithfulness. But this is a big part of what God's doing with the children of Israel before he brings them into the promised land. Because he wants them to know when they get into the promised land, it's because of the Lord's faithfulness. It's because of the Lord's grace. It's because of the Lord's goodness. So let's look in verse 6. Therefore you shall keep the commands of the Lord your God to walk in his ways to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. A land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs. 
that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. God's intent was to bring them through the wilderness to bring them into a good land. And that's the heart of our Father. He wants to bring us into a good land. Now, don't misunderstand. It's not this promise of prosperity financially. That, that's not the message of, of following after Christ. But God is in the business of blessing his children spiritually and ab- abundant life. And when God brings in those blessings, how do we respond? To bless the Lord. That, that's the response in, in verse 10, is, is bless the Lord. God, you have brought this into my life. I know my own heart. I'm aware of what's inside of here. And this is coming out of your character and your goodness. So God, I'm going to bless you. But here's the warning. And beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by keeping his commands, his judgments, and his statutes, which I have commanded you today. Don't forget the Lord. Don't forget his faithfulness. Lest when you've eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, And when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. When are we in danger of forgetting the Lord? When we're blessed, you know. The children of Israel, when they're in the wilderness, are not going to forget the Lord. Why? Because they need him every morning to provide manna from heaven in order to be able to eat. They need God to provide water for them. Without it, they're going to die. But now they're in the land, and it's good, and God has blessed them, and everything is multiplied. Things are just going well. And Moses, in his wisdom, says, be careful. Don't forget the Lord. And specifically, don't forget it's him that has brought you out of Egypt. It's him that has, has blessed you. It's God who has saved you. It's his grace and, and it's his faithfulness that has brought these blessings into your life. And so he reviews God's faithfulness. He says, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness. If you ever have opportunity to go to Israel and you go to southern Israel, and then I haven't been into Egypt, into the Sinai Peninsula, but there in, in southern Israel, when it says thirsty land, the Bible means it. <laughs> we think of wilderness as nice forest. This is hot, barren desert. And here, the nation of Israel spends 40 years in this dry and thirsty land. And God led them through this terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions in a thirsty land which was there no water who brought water for you out of the flinty rock. God did that supernaturally. Who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers didn't know, that he might humble you, that he might test you to do good in the end. God had good in mind. Then you shall say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. The tendency of the nation of Israel after they're in the promised land is to say, it was my power, it was my might, that gained me this wealth. And that's our tendency as well, isn't it? 
if blessing starts to come into our lives, maybe God's blessing your work, God's blessing your education, and you think, man, I, I've just kind of worked a little bit harder than everybody else. If they would just work as, as hard as me, maybe if God blesses your family relationally, and in the back of your mind, you're like, hey, we're pretty faithful at going to church. You know, we read all the Focus on the Family books, and we're doing a pretty darn good job implementing those things, right? I think that when we begin these kind of sentiments, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard to the Lord. It's like, wait a second, you know what's in your heart. Come on, Eric, you know what's in your heart. Come on, gang, you know what's in your heart. God hasn't blessed you because of anything of you. He's done it because of his grace. And for us to be able to, with assurance and sincerity, say, man, every good and perfect gift in my life has come from the Lord. The wilderness has shown me that. The wilderness has humbled me. The wilderness has caused me to see the reality of what's inside of, of my own heart. In verse 18, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as he did this day. And so instead of taking credit ourselves is to understand this was the Lord. The Lord gave me this power. The Lord is the one who has brought this blessing. The Lord is the one who is established because of his covenant. This was his contract with, with the nation of Israel, his people. Here's what happens if we forget in verses 19 and 20. Then it shall be if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. If we forget the Lord, if we forget it was his faithfulness, then what's going to happen? Our tendency is to go to idolatry. Our tendency is to, to worship other things and to put those things in, in place of, of the Lord. And then God says to the nation of Israel, if they go into idolatry, verse 20, as the nations which the Lord destroys before you, you shall perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. So I'd encourage you, this is a practical message this morning. Maybe you have a little bit more time this afternoon, this evening, tomorrow, is to really think about what was the wilderness in 2017. Maybe it's still going. And say, okay, Lord, what are you teaching me? How are you humbling me? Maybe it's as simple as the Lord showing you, hey, you don't have as much strength as you think you do. You don't have as much wisdom as you, as you think you do. You need me. You, you need others. But write those things down. So let's jump to Mark chapter 8. And in Mark chapter 8, we see God's provision, God's work. This is with the disciples, the feeding of the 4,000. Mark chapter 8. Verse 1. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me these three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. Can you imagine they're listening to Jesus teach for three days? Woo! That's a lot of spiritual hunger, isn't it? And the idea of the text is they're so into the words of Christ, they've forgotten about the need to eat. That's become secondary. 
And Jesus is like, they've, they've tarried with me for three days. Now I'm going to send them home. They need to eat. It's, it's too far for them to go uh, without eating. Then his disciples answered him and said, how can one satisfy these people with bread in the wilderness? He asked them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. So they're going, Lord, we can't feed these, these people. There's, there's no in and out here. In and out hasn't come yet, right? There's, there's no way that we have the resources to feed these 4,000. Now remember, they've already been in this situation before. And they've seen God feed the 5,000 with five loaves and a few fish. But now that they're in it a second time, they still respond in a position of doubt. There's not one of the disciples that goes, well, well Lord, you're God. You've already fed the 5,000. This is actually a little bit easier. There's 4,000. What would you want to do in this situation? They immediately go to their default mode of only looking at the physical options and going, okay, there's no way to feed these guys. Aren't you thankful for the disciples? Because that sounds a lot like me. That sounds a lot like us. God will be faithful. He'll provide in a situation. And then I'll come into a very similar situation. and be like, oh no, this is it. We're going to have to close up shop. You know, it's, it's all done. And, and the Lord's going, oh, come on, Eric. Just, just remember my faithfulness. In verse 6, so he commanded the multitude to sit down. I love how Jesus always does things in a loving, orderly fashion. And he took the seven loaves and gave thanks and, and broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And they set before the multitude. They also had a few small fish and having blessed them, he said to set them also before them. So they ate and they were filled and they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Seven loaves, seven large baskets of leftovers. Jesus loves leftovers. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. Immediately got into the boat with his disciples and came to the region of Dalmuta. The disciples have the best seat in the house with this miracle. They get to watch Jesus bless the bread, break it, hand it to the disciples, and the disciples hand it out. Feeding 4,000 people takes a long time. I mean, that, that, that's a lot of this going on. 12 disciples. just But they, they get to witness this miracle. They get to hold this miracle in, in their hands. And that's the beauty of serving the Lord. That's the beauty of putting his kingdom first, is we get to watch the Lord work in, in people's lives. But some reason, as we'll see in the next few verses, this miracle is not touching their heart. God's work is not penetrating their own hearts. In verse 11, then the Pharisees come out and begin to dispute with him. They're wanting to fight with Jesus, seeking from him a sign, testing him. Where have these guys been that they're asking for a sign? Christ is doing miracles all over the place. He just fed 4,000. He's healing the blind, casting out demons, raising people from the dead. And they're like, hey, we need a sign from heaven. Would you please do something to show us that, that you're from heaven? Jesus responds, but he sighed deep, deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. Why, why did Jesus sigh? Because of their unbelief. His heart is broken over their unbelief. Back to the disciples. And he left them and left the Pharisees and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. 
Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and, and they did not have more than one loaf of bread in the boat. Apparently it was the disciples' job to make sure that they had lunch, that they had bread. They get so caught up in what's going on, they forget to pack lunch. And you can kind of imagine Peter and John talking and John's like, hey Peter, did you grab, grab lunch? No, I thought you grabbed lunch. No, no Thaddeus, he's got the, the lamest name of all of us. He's the lunch guy. He's the peanut butter and jelly guy, right? Like, oh man, we, we, we forgot lunch. There's plenty of food. There was leftovers, seven big baskets of leftovers, but they forget to, to bring lunch. And Jesus looks at them and he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of Pharisees and the leaven of bread. Jesus loved to have teachable moments. There's an experience happened, so Jesus is gonna teach. He's just fed people with bread, and so now he's using bread as an analogy, saying you need to be careful that the leaven, the yeast of the Pharisees, and the yeast of Herod doesn't get into your heart. The Pharisees were legalists, adding to the word of God, absent of a genuine relationship with the Lord. Make sure that you're not just a rule keeper and adding to God's word, but a true, genuine relationship uh, with the Lord. Herod loved to minimize God's word, not submit his life to God's word, and says, make sure that that yeast doesn't get into your heart and your life. But the disciples are totally confused, and they reasoned among themselves, saying, it's because we have no bread. (laughs) They missed the teachable moment. They're like, oh man, Jesus is upset that we didn't pack lunch. What are we going to do with lunch? Jesus has just fed 4,000 people with seven loaves and a few fish, and these guys are stressed about their lunch. And Jesus then challenges their hearts. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Jesus is saying, you're experiencing this. You're experiencing my work. You're experiencing my provision. But yet, it's not resulting in daily trust. You're still stressed over about the fact that we don't have lunch. You should be trusting me, guys. They're seeing, but they're not perceiving. They're hearing, but they're not truly hearing. Why? Because their hearts are hard. And because their hearts are hard, they're not remembering. So, we can go through God providing spiritually, physically, relationally, him taking very good care of us as our good shepherd, but it doesn't impact our hearts. It doesn't impact our our daily trust in, in the Lord. Jesus takes him back on a brief history lesson. He says, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? Brings us to our second point. Remember God's work. Remember God's work. Remember the baskets, the 12 baskets of God's provision. Remember the seven baskets of, of God's provision. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 10. He says, Who's delivered us from such a great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust, he will still deliver us. What's Paul saying? God has been faithful in the past 
to save us from our sins. So we trust he's currently being faithful to deliver us and he'll be faithful in the future. You may be sitting here this morning going, you know what, Eric, I I haven't seen God multiply the bread and fish to feed the 4,000 or the 5,000. And you know what, I'm struggling financially and there hasn't been this, this big breakthrough. And I suggest to you, if you're the child of God, you've got something that is way more significant than a meal ticket, and that's God forgiving you of your sins. The bread of life, Jesus Christ, was broken upon the cross to pay the price for our sins so that we know we're delivered from our sins. Amen? And that's a cornerstone for us to go, God has saved me with the blood of his son. I know he'll be faithful in this current trial. I know he'll continue to be faithful in the future. But we have to have soft hearts to remember God's faithfulness, to remember his work and remember his provision. So take some time, even right now, and go, how, how did God provide this year? In the physical, how did he meet your needs this year? In the spiritual, relationally, and saying, the bread of life really met my needs. And to allow that to impact our hearts through remembrance so that when we come up against a current challenge, when we cur- come up to, I don't know how I'm gonna pay for lunch, I don't know how I'm gonna get through this month, this, this is super difficult. The only problem with the holidays is they end and real life is waiting for us, right? Tuesday's coming. It's like, oh man, here, here we go again. Happy New Year, Groundhog's Day, you know. And to be able to say, okay, Lord, I want to walk with, with you in, in daily trust, recognizing your, your work in my life. Luke 24 the importance of remembering God's word. So turn with me over to Luke 24, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. Christ has been crucified, he's, he's buried. They're wanting to anoint his body with the proper spices, give him a proper burial. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb and they went in and didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, two angels. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but risen. Remember how he spoke to you when you were still in Galilee. Remember the word. Remember the words of Jesus. Jesus predicted this many times, that he'd be crucified, that he'd rise rise again. But they had forgotten this. They had forgotten the words of Christ. Verse 7, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the leaven and to the rest. Remember God's word. Number three, remember God's word. Whenever you study God's word, it's never wasted. Even if you may say, I forgot. Because then you'll go through something, you'll have an experience, and then all of a sudden, you remember God's word. The Holy Spirit will bring it back to mind. Just like with with the disciples. But as much as possible, we want to try to remember God's word. We want to be faithful listeners. 
Sometimes we study so much of God's word. We go through several books of the Bible uh, every year. We just finished the book of Daniel. We're going to start the book of Ephesians. On Wednesday night, we're going through the, the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. We're going to start 1 John uh, th- this Wednesday. We study on our own privately. We're in men's studies, women's studies, all these different studies. Listen to podcasts and things on the radio. That at the end of the year, you can kind of go, well, what did God speak to me? We need to boil it down. We need to go, okay, here's a few nuggets that the Lord shared with me that are really important for 2017. Is there one verse that God has continued to speak to you throughout this year? Is there one thing about his character that the Lord has really been highlighting? Hold on to that. Maybe at the back of your Bible, write 2017 and write, write the verse. So I want to take a few moments just to share in my own life and in our family in these three areas of the wilderness, the work, and the word, and then also as a church family, how we've seen as a body, Rocky Mountain Calvary, the Lord in these three areas. And as I think of 2017, you know, the the biggest probably trial or difficulty that we went through was the end of February of this year. My dad was diagnosed with colon cancer, and thankfully they caught it early, and he's had a lot of challenges with uh, his health the last 12 years or so. It's his second bout with cancer, and he has Parkinson's disease as well, which makes it much more difficult, 65 uh, years old. So he goes through this surgery, gets the, gets the cancer taken out of his colon, and they hook his plumbing back up, and supposed to be out of the hospital in three or four days. And then he develops a leak. You know, sometimes that happens with, with uh, colon cancer and colon surgeries. And so his whole chest cavity just fills with, with bile. He's just swollen with, with bile and develops a really bad infection, as you can, can imagine. Um, finds himself in ICU. He ended up being in the hospital for 24 days. You know, I've never had a, a loved one be in the hospital that long. And you learn things that you never wanted to know. Uh, you know, you start to really get to know the hospital staff and nothing against you that are hospital staff. We appreciate you, but we never really want to get to know you that well in that setting. You know, it's because then you've been there way too long, right? And you start doing weird stuff in the waiting room, like doing push-ups and stuff like that because you're just going a little bit crazy. You're like, I've, I've sat too long in this chair. It's, it's going to be time for, for uh, uh, some push-ups. I, I don't like to stay in one place too long, and so I did a lot of walking in the parking lot, you know, and I did the same circle over, over and over and over again. And they, they weren't sure if he was going to make it. Uh, and there were several times the doctors just leveled with us and said, you know, this, this could go one way or the other. We really don't know. And thankfully he did, and he pulled out of it. And, you know, some things are not the same, and, and some health things are more challenging. I think that's going to be his road till he goes home to, to be with the Lord. And there's one point in ICU and just sitting there with him, and my brother was there, and he says, boys, I want you to come over here, and he, he was really kind of in and out of a state of consciousness, and, and uh, he says, I want to I grab your, your hands, your arms, and he, he puts his, his hand on my brother, and on me, my brother and I are looking at each other like, this is going to be some really deep moment, like, he's going to give us the Abrahamic blessing right here, you know, and I was wanting to make sure I was on the right hand, you know. <laughs> no. That his eyes got really big and he started pulling up on our arms. He's like, get me out of here, boys. <laughs> it's like, it's like, we're doing a jailbreak, you know, right, right now, you know. And I, I was humbled and I learned a lot, you know. And as a pastor and just as, as, a, as a man and doing hospital visits, is, 
is I'm not in near a, a big of a hurry. If it takes more time, it takes more time. If other things got to change in my schedule, other things got to change in my schedule. When I'm doing a hospital visit or talking with someone with their loved ones going through a, a difficult health challenge, I say a lot less than I used to. I do more listening than, than speaking, you know? And God used that in my life. And there's been other challenges, and, and those challenges have, have revealed some things inside of me that I know God wants to grow and some wickedness that the Lord wants, wants to change. But God's been faithfulness in the, in the wilderness. And I think of God's provision, his work for us as, as a family. The end of 2016, we had some unexpected things go on with our house that were fairly major, and thankfully we were able to get them fixed, but they were expensive, and it wasn't planned for. It wasn't planned for repairs, and all of 2017, nothing broke at our house, praise the Lord, you know, and that, that's God's, God's faithfulness. We needed that this year, you know. We, we couldn't go into another year and have something significant uh, uh, break and so God, God was really faithful. My wife Amber was pointing out to me uh, on our kitchen table. She says, "You know, I really, I really like our kitchen table." And I was kind of looking at her, going, "Man, our kitchen table is really old. It's twelve years old now." And there's the the six of us. And she's, "You know, the reason I like it is you can see the plate marks of each one of us at the table." When we bought the table, it was black, and now from sitting down and having so many meals together where we put our plates, uh, it's worn, and you can kind of see uh, the, the wood color. And that got me thinking, man, God, you've been so faithful. We've been able to have a whole lot of meals together as a family, the six of us, and you've been faithful to provide. And, uh, you know, this may surprise you, but every meal has not been just wonderful warm fuzzies where the Holy Spirit just hovers over our table, you know, it's we're a normal family just like just like you and there's all the things that happen at a dinner table, especially with young kids. I mean, what young kid loves vegetables, right? You know, and that, and yet there has been other times that there's have been wonderful conversations, but God's given us the gift of time, you know, to be able to have time together, to eat meals together. And the six of us have have been healthy, and man, that's God's provision. It's God's faithfulness uh, in, our, in our family. And then I think of God's word. Just for me personally, the verse that stands out that I'm holding to, onto is Revelation uh, 3, verse 8. It says, see, I've set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. And we really experience that with seeing God open the door in Ellicott. And this may surprise you as well, but it's never easy for me to take steps of faith. I'm a very... Um, mechanical, uh, planned out person. I get up at the same time. I go to bed at the same time. I generally drink about the same amount of coffee every day. I have either oatmeal for breakfast or scrambled eggs for breakfast. You know, I'm not a risk taker by nature, right? So, so I can always talk myself out of a, of a step of faith. And it was really encouraging for me personally to see God open the door uh, out in Ellicott. And so going through these three areas as a church family, as the body here at RMC. And where's the wilderness been uh, for us as a, as a church family at RMC? And as a pastoral team, we've been praying and talking openly about this is, is we really haven't seen a year like this and how challenging it's been on marriages in our church and in, inside of Rocky Mountain Calvary. And it, it has broken our hearts. Uh, and it has, 
has produced in us a, a humility. It doesn't matter how long you've walked with the Lord, how much you know the word, how long you've attended here. Uh, there, there's no immunity from a, a struggling marriage. And, and when, when marriages break apart, it hurts. You know, it, it hurts those families. It hurts the husbands. It hurts the wives and the kids. It, it hurts the body of Christ. And that it's been painful. And it's reminded us that we can't trust in programs. Sometimes as pastors, you're looking for kind of the right puzzle piece. Like, well, what if we have Wednesday night service? What if we don't have Wednesday night service and we have small groups instead? You know, what if they do this in the high school ministry or we had this marriage conference and, and trying to find these right, right programs. And at the end of the day, it's never programs. Nothing wrong with those things, but it's, it's Jesus. It's his word and it's his, his, his Holy Spirit. And it's reminded us as pastors, that we need to be dependent upon the Lord. So please be praying for marriages in our church, you know, and we want to be a church that, that ministers to struggling marriages. You know, we can take off the facade and, and we don't have to pretend that we've got everything together and to really allow the Lord to do healing and, and restorative work. And then as far as God's provision, I think the highlight has been Ellicott. We, we've seen God provide in so many ways. We've really been feeling this need to take a step of faith to reach out to an area that needed a church and we didn't think it would be Ellicott and, and the Lord opened the door in Ellicott. Uh, just to review that story quickly, they were asking 350000 to sell three acres and 7,000 square feet. We offered 50000 to these two widows that were uh, still on the church board and the church had been closed down for, for 10 years. It was a very quick no uh, when we offered the 50000 I hear that trucks are going for 50000 these days. So, But anyway, that's another conversation. And okay, it's a closed door. But yet God continued to just kind of stir in our hearts. And so we decided as elders and pastors that we would offer 100000 And our realtor that was representing the church, he emailed me one morning. He says, do you believe in miracles? They accepted $100,000. And we were able to pay, pay in cash the campus there doesn't have a mortgage, doesn't have a rent payment or any of those, those type of things. But even after being under contract, we found out from the title company, there's no paperwork to show that this farmer gave the land to this church. So we can't give you a clear title on this, this property. Um, can you imagine no paperwork? It's like, hey, we're just going to give you this three acres. Go ahead and build, build the church. And it was fine until they came to sell, sell the church. So over a period of time, uh, the daughter of this farmer is, is still living, and the lawyer says if she's willing to sign that her parents did give the property to the church, then we can present a clear title. Got a hold of her. She lives here in town, and she's like, yeah, I, I, I'm willing to sign. We're like, great. Praise the Lord. It's moving forward. She didn't sign for over a month. Just didn't sign. Didn't sign. Didn't sign. Okay, Lord, what, what are you doing? Are you going to open the door? Are you going to close the door? She decides to sign. It all goes through. She comes out to the first service, and, and she, was, she was really blessed. And I share that with you just to encourage you. When God's doing something, he's doing something. When he opens a door, he opens a door, and no one can, can close it. His work. And then finally, his word, the verse that stands in my heart for us as a church congregation, is not by power or by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's by the spirit of God. Church, it's exciting times to be alive as a believer. We're going to talk about that more tonight at, at six. 
But more than ever, it's not going to be by our power. It's not going to be by our might. It's going to be by the Spirit of God. And throughout history, when days are dark and days are difficult, God's pouring out his Spirit. And he's looking for people that are open to the Spirit of God and following the Spirit of God. And so I'm excited about what the Lord has in 2018. I'm excited about what he has for you personally and for us as a church family. So let's stand together and let's pray and celebrate God's faithfulness. Father, you're so good and your presence is so sweet. And we we are humbled by your faithfulness in our lives. Lord, we see our hearts not nearly as well as you see our hearts but we do know the wickedness inside of us. Or we try to put on a good front, but we know our struggles, we know our shortcomings, and we thank you that you remain faithful and that in your grace, you do bring us into your promises for your glory, and we want to give you glory, and we want to give you thanks for every physical and spiritual blessing in our lives. We thank you for the provision that you've given to us, the physical health that you've given to us, homes and apartments to live in, cars to drive, clothes to wear, church buildings to meet in. God, you've been so faithful. Thank you for spiritually feeding us. Thank you for relationships. Lord, you're so good to provide. We thank you for your word. We ask that this evening and tomorrow that you would bring to mind some key verses from this year that we could really hold on to. God, I pray for those that find themselves in, the, in a wilderness. May they experience your presence, your provision, that manna from heaven, that pillar of fire at night and the cloud by day. Would you meet them in a special way? We want to surrender our lives afresh to you. We pray for a fresh filling and leading of the Holy Spirit. As a church family, Jesus, we acknowledge that you are the head. We say yes to you, Jesus. We love you.